Welcome to another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast, featuring the Almighty Be Live, the Money Man Scotty D, and your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. The Sports Bros Podcast is a sports podcast that's by the fans for the fans. Talking sports just the way you like it. And without any further ado, let's give it up for the Sports Bros. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I think, how, how's Eddie Cool do, uh, How's he doing? It's Tuesday, I think, or Wednesday, or whatever day we decide. Off to a great start. <laughs> to publish and broadcast this episode. This is episode 233 of the Sports Bros Podcast. And as you notice, Eddie Cool is not with us at this time. He's actually flying back from Atlanta, and we want to wish... His brother, older brother Mike Stanley, a happy 60th birthday, and and so that was why Edwin is not with us today on this recording celebrating Mike's birthday. So a happy 60th birthday to Mike Stanley from the Sports Bros Podcast. I am the voice of this week's episode, the Almighty Be Live. What's happening? What's going on in the world today? Man, we've got NFL playoffs in full effect. We've got NBA doing its thing, NHL, all the sports going on right now. There's a lot to talk about. Of course, we focus on football at this time because that's our love. That's our expertise. And, man, there is a lot to talk about, especially one particular team, self-dubbed America's team. And with that being said, allow me to introduce the other guy an advocate for the Dallas Cowboys and a huge fan of one Dakota Prescott. <laughs> the one, the only, Scotty Cum Laude from Waynesburg University, the money man, Scotty D. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Sound of silence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it just it, it's our annual tradition where the the the, the Cowboys this year is going to be different and 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 be live you notice I didn't really buy into all that this year. I kept telling you this is the least excited I've been win after win because they weren't beating anybody good. And it it just went right back according to plan. The, the way I feel, I know you expect me to be like real down on dumps and, and sad and disappointed. It, it's almost like you know who the Washington Generals are, right? Right. Yeah, they're they're the team that loses every game to the Harlem Globetrotters. Say for some reason you become this incredibly passionate, loving, huge fan of the Washington Generals. They go to play the Globetrotters, and they lose. You, you might be a little bit sad, but you're not really disappointed because you kind of knew that. You're going to get that. And that's kind of where I am with this team. And if we're starting off that topic, I'm just going to tell you, you, you got to go no further than the post-game interview with Mike McCarthy. And here is a quote from him. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Well, Ooh, what? That's your job to see that coming. It was almost as if, you know, remember last week going into Washington, they had a chance to win the division and the big knock on the Cowboys all year. They, they're having a hard time winning on the road. Well, they won on the road, and I guess they just assumed going home since they've won their last 16 straight there, 
They're just going to win them two games and be in the play in the in the NFC Championship game. You didn't see this coming, huh? Well, you know the Packers did because they had broke down film and knew what was going to happen, what you were going to do on defense, which is why whenever uh, Jordan Love is throwing balls, there was no Cowboys defenders on the screen around the guys that were catching them. Fifteen. They were twenty yards. Wide open. I've never seen anything like that before. Chunk plays all game long. Chunk plays all day. Gashing the running game. You got to stop the run. Gash the running game. It was just like when they played Buffalo and and Cook had a, had like his career game against the Cowboys. It looked like they weren't prepared. Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb were having some kind of problem being on the not on the same page because they were being game planned for. And McCarthy, the offensive guru, had no answer for them. And so they're arguing amongst amongst one another to the point that Dak decides to force the ball on a slant, and their defensive back knew it was coming. He knew it, and 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 Dak hit him perfectly in stride. It was a beautiful interception. I mean, it was like if that was a Cowboys player, be like, yes, that's the kind of throw I want. But no, that man was in stride, perfect pass to the defense. I said. Yeah. And there, there was a lot of things that happened in that complete and total domination. But I think probably more than any other play, that's the one you got to circle because at that point, the Cowboys are going down the field and it's 20 to nothing. And they're just trying to get on the board before halftime, knowing that they're going to have the ball coming out in the second half. So if you get it to 20 to seven and you go into the locker room, having just established a little bit of offensive rhythm, you say, okay, we score now coming out of the locker room. We're, we're right where we're right back in this thing. We're 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 sitting pretty good here, and it and that pick six was a complete backbreaker, and it's just not surprising. Dak had less than a hundred yards <laughs> at halftime, less than a hundred. He finished with four hundred. That's a typical Dak game where okay. the Cowboys fall behind, the other team plays that soft zone, and then he he picks up chunk yards. It was it wasn't as close. As the final score oh, indicated, because not, not even close. Yeah, it was what forty-eight sixteen with six minutes to go. So it it was complete and utter domination. And give the Packers credit because I think Aaron Jones came into the game with two rushing touchdowns on the season. Had three, a three was it three? Okay, I thought I thought whatever he, it was it was at least as a many. lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> They look. They looked really good, and I don't know that they'll look that good against another well-coached team going forward. They're playing at San Francisco next week. That's going to be obviously a lot taller order. But the Packers decided we wanted to go to Dallas and dominate, not just try to hang with them. They were going to try to dominate, and they became the first ever number seven to beat a two in this NFL format. Oh man! Oh man! The difference between the regular season and the playoffs. I. I, I don't. When you when you say that Mike McCarthy had to, he he said out of his own mouth he said we just, we weren't prepared what did he say again uh, somebody said he said that I'm not sure he, he said that exactly but he did what the quote that I I heard him say was I don't think anybody saw this coming to me that tells me you're taking for granted you're gonna you're just feeling good enough to go do your thing and win this game without really taking this game as serious as you need to be and as prepared as you need to be. This is the NFL, right? These are all professional players, right? Every every team from 32 to 1, I, you, so you just say you just don't game plan at all? You just think your team is better, so you just throw them out? Woo! 
Oh boy, I'm gonna tell you something that he's not gonna see coming. <laughs> that hot seat that he's in right now, because I, Scott, I, at this moment of time, it's not, it's not working. It it, it, it it works for the regular season and not the playoffs. And and they lost to a Green Bay team here who is very young. So McCarthy has now lost last season and this season to the to the coach that replaced him. And that coach is young. He's not going anywhere. And the pack, this Packers team is the youngest in the league. They're not going anywhere. And the last three times he played San Francisco, he lost. They have a young quarterback and a young roster and a young coach. They're not going anywhere. So would it make any sense? And I hope by the time this podcast is actually published and put out that this discussion is in the past that McCarthy's already been shown the door. There's no way you cannot possibly allow this to go on again. It's just beating your head against the wall and, and looking def Jerry Jones looks so defeated, but he has to make a change here. And Dan Quinn is equally guilty. The defense was atrocious. Atrocious. The, I mean, you, you you talk all year about how good Micah Parsons is and how good the pass rush is. Not, none of that happened on, on Sunday afternoon. Micah Parsons in his last two years has gotten less effective as the season goes on. And I don't know if that's if if it's if he's been nicked up or he doesn't have the stamina for 17, 18 games. But He's he's got no pressure on the quarterback. He think he had like one tack. It's it's just it was a complete and utter team failure. Offense was terrible. Quarterback was terrible. Defense was terrible. Kicker missed an extra point. It's and the thing that they lead the league in is penalties and and they reared in the in the opening drive on a couple of occasions in the opening quarter, significantly hurt by penalties again. It, it what what blows my mind more than anything is that like this is this is repeat like watch rich repeat the, the Cowboys have gone twelve and five the past three seasons since this new seventeen game or was it they've been they've been right there one of the they did they win they didn't win the division last year but they still was I mean Philadelphia yeah they won their wild card game against a Tampa Bay team that was under five hundred right as it's. I got two key questions about this, then we'll move on to the other games. But, A, that Prescott is coming up to a contract. Was this his contract year? or I think next year's his contract. He has contract. one left on his deal, yeah. And he's got a cap hit for $59 million. I did see that today. What do you do if you're the general manager? That shouldn't be a general manager. But you, I, here's the thing. Can you even blame Jerry Jones at this moment of time? Because I think he's putting the pieces out there. They're, they're he hired this coach. Remember when we were on the air, the moment we found out that this guy got hired, and I told you then that was a mistake. Yeah, we did. We four did. years ago. We yeah, did. no, Jerry Jones is, is responsible. He's the one that's ultimately responsible for all this, and he is going to absolutely extend Dak Prescott. It's not like this was a Cowboys team who was making one last run at it with a lot of veteran players. No, these are a lot of young guys who are, their contracts are coming up. You're not going to scrap all that and rebuild. That's and right. finding a quarterback is not that easy. It's not, you can't just say, all right, we're going to go get another one. You can do that with running back. You can't do that with quarterback. There's just not enough good ones to go around. So Dak is going to become probably the highest paid quarterback in the league again next year. He's going to get overpaid again because the market dictates it for that position. Feel like you're, I feel like you're gonna lose the fan base at that moment of time. <laughs> I mean, what what else can you do? I mean, at this point in the mind of Jerry Jones, I'm and I'm guessing here because he hasn't done it yet as of our recording here on Monday afternoon. He's gonna have to look and say, Well, 
we have a, a quarterback who was in the MVP discussion in December and it didn't work. Maybe if I bring another head coach in, then he can make the most out of that situation and move on. And we'll get more into that coaching thing here in a little bit. All right. And so my other question is this. With Dan Quinn, because his name has come up multiple times, speaking of coaching, hires and everything like this. What does this do to was Dan Quinn's mind already out of the out of the Cowboys locker room facing his next job? Because I know he's had multiple contacts about these new positions out there. What? Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to believe that a that someone at that level would be distracted by that. Possibly, I mean, I don't know. I do think that this is going to be the year, and, and this has come up at the end of the last two seasons. You know, he, is he going to stay in Dallas? He's going to get head coaching opportunities. And the last couple of years, he didn't seem all that interested. And now I'm hearing he's he has like four interviews lined up. So I think I think he is going to go. And I don't think that Jerry Jones is going to fight to keep him like we used to think a while back that it, it was it was believed coming into the season that if McCarthy faltered, he was on a short leash and Quinn was going to take his job. But Quinn was every bit as responsible for that debacle on Sunday afternoon as Mike McCarthy. I mean, he just got shredded. And I just don't know how you can put that locker room back together in August and say it's going to be different this year, guys, when the same guys were leading the, leading the charge. I just don't – I don't see how that can happen. I think you almost have to clean house. I, yeah. Yeah. It's It's – it's disappointing as much as I like to pick on the Cowboys. This was I. Here's the thing, because you're you're a fan, but you're well more invested in the Cowboys than I am. I just I I just I thought there was something different about this team, and it, it reverted right back to the same. I was like, okay, I was like, Jordan Love started the season off rough, but he's been the hottest quarterback in the second half of the season, and momentum is everything. So. This is a hats off to Green Bay. They came in prepared. You saw it in almost every play that they did, offense and defense. They came prepared, and they are a threat. They're young. They're hungry. They, I mean, they're playing with house money at this point in time because you didn't think they were even going to make the playoffs, and now they come in at the seventh seed, take out the two seed. They could be very, very dangerous. And speaking of uh, – They'll lose by at least two touchdowns next week. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> You've already <laughs> written them off to the 49ers. <laughs> I have. Not happening. All right. All right. We're going to go to another young team that just came through and just, ooh, the Houston Texans. What happened? I thought it was going to be a knock them down, drag them out, another defensive battle. And this is yet another defense that's top-tier defense that forgot how to play defense. The Houston Texans gashed the Browns. Part of that was back-to-back pick sixes from old Joe Flacco. I I was one of those ones that was speaking Joe Flacco's praises. I apologize. It did not (laughs) happen. Good Lord. (sighs) You know what hurts me the most about watching the Browns versus the Texans watch the Texans do what they do? Speak to me. The Panthers could have had CJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude looks like a veteran out there. He looks poised. He looks like he's done this before. And... 
Hats off. I mean, he did he did it against the he did it against the Georgia Bulldogs in the um in the playoff last year. And that defense was almost equivalent to an NFL defense. Them boys were playing ball and he gashed him. And he comes in and the Cleveland Browns, they oh my goodness, their defense, 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 and they had a comparable quarterback. This was supposed to be they were, they could possibly make a deep run, and they just fell flat on their face. Woo! Yeah, I was actually I, I I I predicted that one the wrong way. I thought the Browns' defense was would at least put up a fight. I thought I thought going into this game, this was going to be kind of a grinded out game, kind of a low scoring affair that the Browns would win if Joe Flacco didn't turn the ball over. I thought if this guy can just take care of the ball, manage the game, establish the run. They have a chance to 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 win on the road here. I, I really thought that. I thought Houston. I didn't think Houston was all that good throughout the year. I thought they were, you know, okay team and a, and a team obviously that was greatly improved. But I, I didn't I didn't foresee that complete beatdown. And then you have to just at that point you have to just say to yourself, Scott, there was a reason why Joe Flacco was also in his PJs last month when you were watching this game. And I think after that performance, it might be back to the couch for Joe Flacco. Yeah, it was it was a nice little run there, and I, he got him into the postseason. He did well, but he was their fourth choice at quarterback this year. So I, I don't know how I didn't foresee Houston being playing as well as they were at the end of the season and coached like they are. And by the way, two very good coaches. This is maybe coach of the year coach. That might have been the coach yeah. of the year bowl. I mean, uh, D'Amico Ryan's. He's got that team believing. Again, I don't think they will win next week either, but, uh, I mean, this season's already a success for them, if you ask me. And a, lo a lot of things can happen. We don't, we still don't know exactly where the Texans are going because we still got two games to go as we record this. But it's never a good thing when one team's quarterback is responsible for the game being tied 14 to 14. Yeah. He yeah. scored. He scored as, just as many points for his own team that he did for the other team, and so it's, that, yeah, that's just rough. That's rough. That is very tough to come come back from. But hey, and that'll be interesting to see how that team next year, if they get a healthy Deshaun Watson, is 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 that Cleveland team seriously going to contend? Well, they, and very much, very much so. But as as we sit. Deshaun Watson getting that guaranteed money and chilling, and the yep. Texans move on. And equally, just as dangerous, just as young, they've got they're playing with house money because they were if the if the Jaguars got their act together, the, the Texans needed the, um, the Jaguars to lose just to get in. And so now we're right. here, the Texans are in and they're winning at home, and so they they could be. I don't it's a new know. season. Oh, yeah. We shall see because speaking of the other AFC battle um, that determined a couple things, Dolphins, Chiefs, in the coldest of weather. Holy Jesus. I no, mm -mm. you, you, you I, I'll be watching this from somewhere besides in, in Arrowhead Stadium because it was. Neg I think it, um at kickoff it was negative four degrees, but at some at one point in time with the wind chill factor, it got down to it felt like it was negative twenty nine degrees. Yeah. yeah. So I, out of everything that happened this weekend, this is the one that 
did not surprise me at all. I believe that the Chiefs are going to win. I believe that they were going to do so pretty convincingly. The Dolphins, at one point I was texting a friend of mine. I said, I'm not convinced the Dolphins can score tonight. And then on the very next play, Tua threw a bomb that uh, to Tyreek Hill, and they scored. And I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. The game is now 10-7. to 7. But then ultimately, that was it. That was the whole deal. And, and I, you know, it's it, it's hard in that situation to say, well, you know, Tua can't play in the big game because we've seen him do it in college. And it was, I mean, that he's thrown an ice cube around a heavy ice. It just, it just, it's hard to judge anybody by what happens in that game, but Kansas city, that's their home, home field. And they're, they're a little bit more used to that. How do you prepare for that? Do you literally put footballs in the freezer? I don't know. I don't think you can. I just don't think there's any way to prepare for that. I think it's just, let's just go out and try to, to move the chains a little bit and try to get down the field and, Stay as loose and warm as we can, and that's just not possible when it's when it's like that. And and this is a thing I have a problem with with the NFL. Why even schedule that game at night? You know it's going to be cold. You got the Cowboys playing at home. Put them on Saturday. Now, personally, as a Cowboy fan, my favorite time to watch them is the four thirty Sunday time slot. I like that better than Sundays at one or Thursday Monday. That's my favorite time. But if it, logically, you know it's. The, the Cowboys have an indoor stadium. The Lions have an indoor stadium. Play those games at night. Why do they always? This happened a few years ago too. When I forget who the the day game was was in a dome, and they put the Packers in Lambeau on at night. You know, you could use that extra fifteen to twenty degrees from the afternoon sun. It, it's it's ridiculous, and I know it's all about the money. It always is with this league. But does that make sense to you to have a game at nighttime? When you could have flip flopped and had Houston in their indoor stadium playing at night, and have the Kansas City game at home at four thirty in the afternoon. I mean, Houston indoor or outdoor, Houston is going to be warmer than Kansas City. Right? Off. Yeah. So, and it's just I, I I am with you on that. Like, there are people that get paid a considerable amount of money to make these decisions to make them the right decisions, and they just. This they want fun. Taylor Swift in the box at on Saturday night. They want they want Taylor Swift dancing with the with the other people in the in the press box. And by the way, I'm not banging on Taylor Swift here because a lot of people are like, I'm sick of seeing her. You don't miss any plays. It's not like Mahomes drops back and they're like, let's cut to the box and watch Taylor Swift. They show her doing downs. They always do it with celebrities. So just knock that off. But that I, I gotta believe like the whole Kansas City being the defending champion. The Mahomes, Kelsey, celebrity that they're putting them on in prime time, and it's to the detriment of the players because we, I mean, I guess it's going to be cold either way, but you got to believe it'd be a little bit better to put on a, a a game in the freezing cold weather while there's still a little sunlight out. Oh, let me let's throw let's throw that out there on Peacock. On <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, Half the country didn't even watch it. It's in prime time. You can't even watch it. Me and you, as avid WWE fans, we have Peacock because I have Peacock. Yeah, yeah we, I have we access have, to we have Peacock. So because that, I think that's the best way to watch pay per views when we don't have to really pay for them fifty bucks a pop. That's a whole other story. But man, nighttime game, negative twenty nine degrees, and half the country can't even watch the game. But they, they're all... And you kicked Al Michaels out of there. I mean, come on. Oh, Al Michaels. Oh. I got Jason Garrett instead of Al Michaels. Free Al Michaels. This is... Just, <laughs> okay. 
Al Michaels is all about the football game. He's not about all the pompous circumstances and all the he's, – he's just not a Swifty. It is what it is. But the funniest thing I saw was that when Taylor Swift was sitting in the, in the celebrity – whatever, booth, the club seats or whatever, how, however they call it, uh, um, and she's swag surfing. And somebody said, she's not swag surfing. She's whitewater rafting. <laughs> <laughs> I Most, yeah, it's, that's more like it. Oh, my goodness. Tickles my... It was corny. But hey, B-Live, at least on Sunday night, we had a good game, finally. Finally. Good Lord. This was this was actually the game that I was looking forward to. It just so much was behind this. Matthew Stafford getting traded. Swift flip-flop. Jared Goff gets unceremoniously booted out of L.A., gets put in Detroit. They switch places. Matthew Stafford comes in, wins the Super Bowl. So it was like exactly what the Rams wanted, what the Detroit Lions did. And oh, so bittersweet revenge for Jared Goff. And he's able to eliminate the Los Angeles Rams. And the Detroit Tigers, I mean, the Detroit Lions, I'm sorry, Someone was able to send a text message for the first time ever in history that the Detroit <laughs> Lions won a playoff game. Just throwing yeah. <laughs> That's incredible, yeah. 19, it was 1992 year, 1991-92 season was the last time the Lions had won a playoff game. They were able to send a text saying the Detroit Lions and MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell, they are able to celebrate a victory. And it was a hard fault. It was a beautiful game to watch. Back and forth, if you didn't know. And the Lions they um took up early 14 to 3 lead. And it was just back and forth. And as a Lions fan, you're like, oh, come on. Oh, we're we're up by 10. Oh, we're up by th uh, three. We're so we're up by six. We're up by three. We're up by and it's like Oh, can we just hold on? And then they managed to finish it off. It was that's what playoff football is all about. That game right there. Everything. Yeah, and the and the big story of it really was the Rams' inability to score once they got to the red zone because it was what was it, twenty-one to seventeen, I believe, at halftime. Detroit controlled the game in the first half of the run game, especially. I mean, they Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs were pretty much running at will there seemed like the Rams tightened that up in the second half. And then they controlled the game offensively, but when they got to the red zone, they were settling for field goals and that became their ultimate undoing. And you, you know, I, you had to actually probably, you had to feel a little bit of sense of dread there when you're the, when you're the lines and you're, you're up two points and you get the ball back with four minutes to go. And you know, if we run it and punt it, it could come down to a, a field goal that we don't have control of. And Campbell said, we're not doing it that way. And it came out of the two-minute warning and threw the ball for a first down. The Rams already exhausted their timeouts. Uh, it was a play to, I think it was St. Brown picked up the big first down. And then that was it. It was curtains. And you had to feel good for Jared Goff because that when he took the first kneel down play, he turned and just like extended his arms to the crowd and was like feeling like, it, it, to me, it looked like it reminded me a little bit of when Steve Young had won the Super Bowl. It might have even been when he had beat, got by the Cowboys in the championship. He kept saying the monkey's off my back because he was in the shadow of Joe Montana all that time. Well, when Goff and that trade with Stafford, he was always kind of looked at as afterthought because the Lions weren't really immediately good with him. He was just sort of, I thought, man in the store till they found a quarterback. And here he is now advancing in the playoffs. So 
Good for Jared Goff. Good for Lions. You know, I can't, I can't hate. I can't hate. I like, I, you know, I'm happy for Lions fans. You wait a long time for something like that. And you can't take away that, that joy that they were feeling that eludes me as a Cowboys fan every January. <laughs> well, and and he, the biggest thing I took away, especially, and I was, I've been predicting this for a minute. Detroit was going to get over this hump of being behind Green Bay, behind Minnesota. I knew it was coming. And it's finally, it's finally there. You know, there's a possibility that we could have a Detroit Green Bay NFC championship. That would be insane. Most likely not going to happen. That would be, that would be something. Yeah. Be very interesting indeed. But the fact that the Rams kicked field goals of 24, 27, and 29, that means they were literally on the cusp of the end. Yeah. They could not get it in there. And this is where this has been one of those times, especially in the fourth quarter. I didn't be like, you know what? Screw it. Analytics. Get, we we got to go for this. I, I and you know how me I, how against analytics I am, but man, they lost. <laughs> losing by one point or losing by four points is yeah. But it, it you still had. I mean, when they were kicking those field goals, that was early enough where you still had time and you were controlling the game. I was I was going to be interested to see if the Rams got the ball back, if Brett Maher could could be the one could come through. He's kicking for the Rams now. We last lot saw him. He was shanking extra points in the Cowboys <laughs> divisional wildcard game against Tampa last year, spraying them all over. He missed four extra points. Now I, was, I wanted to see what would he do with the pressure really on him if it came to a game winner. But nonetheless, didn't get that far. The Lions uh, never gave the ball back, so good for them. Man, oh, man, what a – just literally hard-fought victory – to my peoples out there that are Lions fans, my man, Tristan, especially, he's an avid listener to the program. Hats off to him. He's also a Michigan fan, so he is living he's living life right now. So I definitely want to give him a quick shout-out. Man, we got two more games to watch. We won't be able to comment on those because, as you see, we're recording before the, those games have started. But now, next week, we get to see what the Ravens and the 49ers bring to the table. It's already been solidified. It's the 49ers versus the Packers. Ravens still don't know exactly who they're going to play, but we'll find out soon enough. Man, it's the NFL playoffs. We are here for it. With that being said, I believe you want to go ahead and just dive into a little choices. Want to talk to the people about about some coaches and some things. Yeah, it's kind of going hand in hand with our discussion. But last week I asked, where did you think... Or where would you like to see Bill Belichick end up this year? What team back with the Patriots, which we now know that's not going to happen or retired. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And be live. You have any, you have the records of what our, what our friend said to us here in mm-hmm. the comments. Well, I do have some answers. I do have some answers from the voices from the people and we'll get right back into it right here on the sports bros podcast. See you in a bit. Yes, sir. And now, our favorite part of the show, the choices of the voices. Oh, and we want to thank the wonderful and... Ever so lovely. So lovely and new mommy, Mrs. Button, for introducing our favorite part of the show. You guessed it. You know it. The choices of the voices. And Scotty D has asked a question. When you have answered the question, and we'll go through it as follows. 
trade Dizzle Trade Duke. Uh, well, as much as he hates Dak Prescott, he also hates Bill Belichick. His answer comes to, he says, and he speaks to Bill Belichick, he's 143rd all-time win-loss without Brady. He'd be a great <laughs> Walmart greeter coach. And somehow, some way, he has someone that agrees with him. Taylor Oates says, I agree. So I'm going to guess that Trey Duke is probably saying, some, apply for a Walmart greeter position, stay at home, it's over for you, et cetera, et cetera. And he probably does not consider that Bill Belichick is the GOAT. Hmm. All time when it comes to coaches, that could be another discussion for another day. <laughs> Scott Heiderman says, would he really even be good if it wasn't for Tom Brady? If he was that good, he would have won without him, and he didn't. These are not the questions, ladies and gentlemen. So, no, the, 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 the distraction so far is that they're not happy with Belichick's performance. Jeez. Well, I mean... <laughs> I think Belichick, I mean, Belichick, I think is a great coach. He's not the best GM. And so that could be some of his folly with that because can you name anybody that's on the Patriots roster right now that's even worthy of mentioning? Tom Brady? He's still there? Oh, no, no, he's not there. Cam Newton? No, no, no. Steve Grogan? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, we're over three for that. But yeah, all right. So he, I guess he's saying that Belichick should stay home as well. Jim Hansen replies, Harbaugh didn't quit. So I guess he's questioning the wording that you use for the question. Um, I don't know what other way to say it. Did I mean I don't? Did I mention Harbaugh in the question? I don't know. Yeah, that's, I'm looking I don't at, think I did. I don't think you did at all. So, um, <laughs> guess what, Jim? box, you read better. I don't know why <laughs> you came up, but it, hey, this is what it is. All right, John Wozniak is going to give us a little bit of voice of reason here and finally be someone that's going to answer this question oh, first. Oh, yes. John Wozniak, he says he should find a couch and take a seat. I knew great Brady was great, but wow, none of those moves we thought were genius – Worked too well when 12 wasn't on the field. Once again, one, one, two, three, four for Brady, zero for <laughs> good Lord. But he did answer the question. Thank you very much. Eric Tarpley says, I think it is time to retire. They mentioned reasons he would stay. His son's on Patriot staff and his daughter attends college nearby. And he just upon says, time to listen. Come from under sad shadow. Okay, I don't know what what does Bill Belichick's son do? He's I think he's uh is he defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach or something? He's on the sideline with an incredibly terrible mullet though. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so he looks like a like a wild man. I just wonder if it's like father bring your son to to work day with him sometimes, <laughs> just to give him give him a little uh, a little something to do. So Stephen Belichick get nothing. That's it. I have to click for more coaching career. He would move from safeties coach to outside linebackers coach. He's been the outside linebackers coach for the past um four years. Okay. 
don't even know what that even means. I knew I knew he's on the defensive side down there looking goofy. So all right. Coming in hot, especially when it comes to the issue of retirement. Our very own Hall of Famer, Uncle <laughs> I'm sorry, Uncle Max. I love you, bro. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Give me some control, and I don't know what to do with it. Uncle Matt says, I don't know if it's in him to retire, but it, it is. It may be. It, ah, it, is, it may be that time. It may be that time. That's just supposed to be spaced. That's what it is. It yeah. Be that time. Okay. Belichick. It, I think he's what 14 wins away from the record. Is Don no, he's got more than that. I think he's I think it's closer to 30. I think it I think it's a couple think, seasons worth. I think it's including postseason though. Uh I'm not sure, but I it's I I think he's I think he needs like two or three seasons to do it. And Uncle Max. Let me say this to you. First of all, congratulations on the Packers win. <laughs> Number two, condolences on Saban. Oh. And and third, I hope you feel better. I know you're on a comeback trail. Absolutely. And I, I did a quick little Google search. Um, including playoffs, Don Shula has 347 wins. Bill Belichick has 333. So Bill Belichick would need 15 wins. Okay. The, the track that he's going with New England, that would take five years. All right. Exactly. <laughs> struggling, struggling. All right. Joe, Joe Comfort. He says, I can't see Bill Belichick coaching again. While he is what I call egotistical, we all have egos we need to satisfy. His legacy as an NFL coach had incredible high starting over many do some damage to that legacy. In other words, did this past couple years, did it damage Bill Belichick's legacy? Is that rhetorical or are you asking me? I'm asking. I'm asking. Yes. Yes, it did. And the fact that he just has not been able to do it without Brady, because the first few answers in this one, including. Yes. Does leave a cloud. I still think he's the greatest of all time. Because, I mean, I think Don Shula did it over the course of, what, 33 seasons? But, Yeah. He wants to ride it while he didn't go on top. I believe he's happy with everything he's accomplished. We'll ride off into the sunset. So once again, decision, decision, if he wants to continue and end on a high note, if that's even possible at this point. So moving, moving on, Doug Hagan, he comes in hot with not about Belichick, but he says, Pete Carroll is a crook. <laughs> Does it belong with the other two? Wow. Tell us how you really feel. Sky, do you have any inside information on why Carol's a crook? Uh, it must be. This must be a, somehow a USC reference because I know Doug Hagan's a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. So there must oh. be some some anger associated with the, uh, the the Trojan program and him leading under. There was a cloud of controversy around Pete Carroll there as well. Yeah, true, true, true. And I, I got, I'm going to look that back up because none of you mentioned it. There was a little bit of spice. Because didn't he leave right after the whole Reggie Bush Heisman situation? I, I believe so, right? Yep. So there was so there's he, a big cloud of dust and Carol galloped off into Seattle. So 
So before there was Jim Harbaugh, there was Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah, because you know Jim Harbaugh gonna be there's 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 a little black cloud over. He he won it all fifteen and zero, but yeah, he he could come back and build a legacy, but he'd have to be dealing with some of the some of that sign stealing. Yeah, there's guys uh, Harbaugh and uh, Pete Carroll. They they don't run the clean program that. The Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle ran. They they were clean like those guys. So. <laughs> oh man, moving on. Speaking of Harbaugh, Jennifer Pearson comes in. Harbaugh not quitting but retiring. What? I don't even know that makes any sense. He's definitely not retiring. I think he may go to Washington though. Washington though would be good for Blake to get close to home, and we're Redskins fans, so win win for us. If so, bye bye Ron Rivera. She wants. Jim Harbaugh right there yeah. in the DMV. So imagine Jim in Washington, John at Baltimore just taking over the Maryland area. For the, for yeah, I think I, I think that they said geographically, if he took that job, he'd be between his brother and his parents. Oh. That, that, yeah, his parents live somewhere over in the, that part of the country as well. So, And that could very well, that might very well happen. I mean, I know that Harbaugh is set to interview with the Chargers. I don't know if that's something where he said, that's where I, I would really like to go. Let me go talk to them. Or if he's planning on doing a a tour of coaching interviews the way that um, Dan Quinn is, as he starts with the Carolina Panthers on Wednesday. Um, to this, to my knowledge, at this point, Harbaugh is still employed by Michigan. <laughs> I don't think he even said, I'm not coming back to Michigan because he interviewed for coaching jobs last year. And then some coming back to Michigan. So who knows what this guy's going to do? Anyway. If, he, if he's got any sense, he'd just go ahead and take it to the NFL. Because uh, lightning striking twice with Michigan. I don't know. I mean, it depends. But at one thing I'm going to say out there, just, we'll talk about a little bit later. Nick Saban, when he retired, they've already got decommits and um, yeah. transferring out. I'm like, well, dang, you ain't even giving them a chance. Wow. Well, it is what it is. Coming in hot, our our um local agent to the program, Joel Turner, says truly the end of an all-time great era. And I think the most difficult part about that is that Pete Carroll was unceremoniously in his era ended unceremoniously. Nick Saban did not ride out on top, but he he went out on his own terms. And Bill Belichick, they said it was mutual, but I don't ever. I, when you say it's mutual, nine, nine times out of ten, it usually isn't. But it's the writing is on the wall. But truly, at the end of the day, three great coaches not being where they are now, and we'll see what we'll see where in the dust settles where they may end up at outside of Saban. Saban says it is over for him. Coming in, my dude, right here in Vietnam, Fayetteville. I keep trying to say, I'm trying to get rid of Vietnam. We're doing better things here in Fayetteville. Michael Randall says, home. He is old. We're finally at the end of an era. Time to see the young pups start making a name for themselves. And I believe he's speaking on Bill Belichick. Uh, and because it is a youth movement in the NFL. Like it, the the median age for coaches now with Belichick not being there, Pete Carroll not being there, probably dropped from mid mid fifties to early forties with them, yeah. them seventy plus year old guys. Yeah. 
not having a job, crazy as it is. Ah, uh, Tom Wynn, winner, winner, chicken dinner. If Green Bay upsets Dallas, you know Jerry will be looking. All right, and that's going to bring me to my answer. <laughs> so uh, the question, uh, what should Belichick do, ties directly in to what the Cowboys should do. The Cowboys have got to move on from Mike McCarthy, and Bill Belichick is not the answer. He is not the guy, and I am uh, uh, fearful because I know there's been a long time, long distance flirtation between Belichick and Jerry Jones, where they had talked to each other at a, at a ski resort years ago and said that it'd be nice to work together. Something to that effect. I don't, I don't know the all details. I wasn't there, but I know that there is a mutual respect between the two of them. And if that is the direction Jerry Jones goes, I can guarantee you that they will not win a Super Bowl while he's still alive. If you want to make a splash and hire the big coach, it has to be Jim Harbaugh. And I know that if Harbaugh gets to gets out to California and he talks to the Chargers and they throw him an offer he can't refuse, that's a team that we're going to be watch raising a trophy in a couple of years because this guy wins everywhere he goes. Bill Belichick did not win in Cleveland. He didn't win without Brady. And I, and I know it's it's hard to 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 put that all on him because the team deteriorate and they're in a rebuild mode. But you also have to look right in the middle. The Patriots went 16 and 0. Brady gets hurt on opening day the next year and then they lose six more games with Matt Castle. So, yeah, they were over 500, but they still lost six more times without Brady with Belichick in charge. I, I'm not going to say Belichick was never a good coach. I mean, and that's that's a sentiment going around now. Everyone you hear say it was Tom, it wasn't Bill. Well, Belichick helped develop Brady, but that's not where we're at right now with this team. Belichick is, is 72. Jim Harbaugh is a guy who is unfulfilled as far as the NFL goes. He really, really wanted to go back to Michigan, his alma mater, and win a national championship. He's done that. He's accomplished that. This is a guy who likes to win and move on. If, if the Cowboys would bring Harbaugh in, I would feel so much better about the possibility of – of reaching a Super Bowl. He got Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl, who I didn't think was that good. Takeaway pre-kneeling and all that stuff. Kaepernick used to throw with a weird arm angle. The ball would sail on him, and he was a, a runner. And, and and Harbaugh won with him, and he won with Stanford. And he, he turned Michigan around where they couldn't beat Ohio State. Now they're beating Ohio State and winning national championship. I think that guy is – he's the guy that Jerry Jones would have to target as far as – me as a Cowboys fan. As far as Belichick, it doesn't sound like he is wanting to retire, even though I think he probably should. Where does he end up? I've heard Atlanta being mentioned. I can't imagine Belichick wanting to go to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. You know, that's been his problem in New England the last three years. So <laughs> I, I think Dallas is a, is a definite possibility. And I and that would be a good decision. Don't bring Belichick because I'm gonna be over here. One of the powers activate form of a bad GM. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I'm afraid that Jerry Jones is going to be in love with the name. I mean, personally, if it's not Harbaugh, I wouldn't mind having Vrabel show up down in Dallas because I thought he's the kind of guy that would give the Cowboys a little bit of that backbone that they lacked on Sunday. He's a guy who's a hard nosed in-your-face kind of coach. By the way, did you see at, at halftime on Sunday the Cowboys-Packers game, they asked Jimmy Johnson 
what you would be saying to your locker room. And he was like, in the camera's face, I'd be telling you, get out there, quarterback. I, I was like, I was fired up. I was like, they could win this game if they get Jimmy down into that <laughs> locker room. Get him a, you know, that's what the Cowboys need, more of that. We've had years of bland from Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett, to McCarthy. They need a guy with some guts. And Harbaugh fills that, and so does Vrabel, and Belichick does not. So where do you think Belichick's going to be next year, B-Live, or where do you think he should be? Well, I... I'm gonna get into my answer just um in just a little bit. I want to get I want to get the rest of the um choices out of the way and then. Oh, I'll, I'm sorry. I thought we got them all. I didn't. <laughs> I'm a dive. I'm a dive. I'm coming in there. But uh, the quick ones, quick ones. Um, Quinn Evans. Quinn Evans. Um, he says retirement. Um, okay. ADC Red says away. I guess he just wants them to go away. <laughs> go away. Just go away. And then Matty Ice, Martin Tracy. And I'm going to say this on the air. Matty Eisen joined this trash talk group. And Jesus, Lord, that I'm in. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. He has a lot to say, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And I'm like, it's, okay, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to see. Because this trash talk group is as young and old alike. He could just tell. I'm like, this is going to be fun. But Matty Eisen, I'm going to summarize this because you like to write book reports. He says, first of all, he ain't retiring until he gets the most wins record, as I mentioned earlier with Don Shula. All indication from things he's mumbled, <laughs> um, I don't have an answer on that this time, would lead me to believe he's going to keep coaching. I agree. I think if Philly loses, it would be a perfect fit. He's saying Sirianni. Is I keep hearing that Sirianni's on the hot seat. I, I can't understand the guy was in the Super Bowl 11 months ago. I, yeah, I, that would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. That, I, I don't think that's, I really just have a, I, I can't buy that that's going to happen. I, I just, even if, even if they lost last night to Tampa Bay, which is right now, I don't know if they did. I don't think they did, but they might have. I think Sirianni's a, is a heck of a coach. And then he mentions something about the um, L.A. Chargers. Um, he also mentioned something about Derrick Henry coming out to L.A. with them. And but I mean, Austin you never know. Any of that stuff could happen. Yeah, it, I mean, do you do you see do you see Bill Belichick as an L.A. kind of guy? Absolutely not. He he seems like a guy who belongs in a hoodie all the time. Doesn't he? But I know that I know that he has like an affinity for like. South Beach, and, and he visits with Jimmy Johnson down there, and he, he likes the, the beach. So maybe he would be good out there. He would have a quarterback out there already. I mean, a lot of people believe Herbert is on the brink of doing something good, just needs a, a little bit more guidance. And He's been you know, Harbar Belichick. Either one of those guys could bring him along. I would – this is me, me personally. It would be Pete Carroll. I'd bring Pete Carroll to L.A., that would be just. I think I'm passing on Pete Carroll at all. That's no Pete Carroll. It all stops. No, I. I'm, you would have Bill Belichick. Well, no, you said you wouldn't have Bill Belichick. Yeah, I, I, I think he got to get younger, and I know Harbaugh's sixty, but that's twelve years younger than these other two dudes. And I don't know. It's it's a lot. And so here is my honest to goodness answer. Bill Belichick. Do what you want to do. You've earned that right. <laughs> my, my answer, honestly, I would I would see him coaching a couple more years. 
I would be honest with you, him and Washington with Eric Bieniemy at Bieniemy sitting just a couple of years, just a hey, learn underneath him. Bieniemy learn something from um Belichick, not to cheat, just the the other stuff. But yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I, I almost feel like maybe he ought to. To go the Sean Payton route and sit out a year and then see what the best available job would be that, that comes up. But sit me, out of here. he's gonna be we go, he gonna have dementia. He, he <laughs> I know, I know. That's not that him sitting out and just. But that and here's the thing: with he's Bob, still way younger than any presidential candidate. That part, <laughs> he's no. I don't see. I see what you're doing there. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Oh, people, please. There's gotta be a way that we can't vote on two. The, the, both of them will be eighty in, sometime during their presidential run. Oh, yeah. Oh, about that. My bad. I digress. Bill Belichick and I think because everything's leading to a Washington drafting a quarterback. I don't think they're set on how. So, yeah, it sounds like that they're picking two overall, right? Yeah. Right after where Carolina should be picking. So that, uh, but they're not going to be picking because they. Um, <laughs> none that needs to be talked about. Yeah. I wasn't gonna mention them throughout the entire. I think I may have mentioned them earlier. It is what it is. But Bill Belichick, Washington, with Drake May, presumably because Caleb. Well, see, we don't know because Chicago has no idea what they're gonna do. They don't know if they're gonna go take their number one, the, the number one pick that they got from Carolina. There you go. Three. Anyway, forgot about that. So. Are they going to move forward? It, it, there's a lot of questions with that. I still think that give them a couple years with the enemy because it it doesn't sound like they're going to give the reins to the enemy just yet for whatever reason. I don't. I, I, they might, you know. The, I think at these teams at this point, everyone needs it. They're, they're not everyone, but a lot of them are just wanting to see how these playoffs shake out. Because every year there's coordinators that are in the playoffs, even the Super Bowl that that you look to for a head as a potential head coach so there's still a lot of unanswered things as far as the coaching carousel probably until the super bowl was over so uh we shall see but i I think it's still gonna be unceremoniously wherever he goes because even though he coached cleveland for a while here's another thing crazy about cleveland cleveland had Nick Saban and Bill Belichick in there (laughs) yep they did at the same time, the two greatest coaches, arguably, of all time, and Cleveland had them both at the same time and couldn't get it done. That's a good segue to my question for next week. Should I ask it? Yeah, you want to hear ahead. it? Go ahead. Let's, let's figure out what you, what's go, well, what you got in store for the people for next week. Yes, sir. All right. So next week, we're going to ask this question. I'm going to have to ask it very specifically, but who do you think has the better resume? Nick Saban's Alabama resume, six national championships and nine championship games, five-time AP coach of the year, 201 and 29 Alabama. Or Bill Belichick at New England, six Super Bowls and nine appearances, three-time AP coach of the year, 266 and 121. Now, I'm not asking who you think is the better coach because already it's been clear that some people think Belichick was not a great coach it was all Brady, but what I'm talking about is the body of work, the resume, which is more impressive to have done what Belichick has done 
at New England only or what Saban has done at Alabama. Only. We're not talking about Saban as the Dolphins coach or even LSU Michigan State. We're talking strictly the Bama resume for Saban versus the Belichick resume for New England. And that'll give us plenty to talk about next week, B-Live. And I'm going to piggyback off of Scott's question, and I want to put a disclaimer notice because I want people to think a little, just a little bit more. Imagine the NFL has a salary cap. So you can't just stack your team. So that that right there, that I want to put that little that little caveat in there because it's an easy answer if you just look at the numbers. Nick Saban has a better winning percentage, da 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 blah blah blah. But Nick Saban had a wealth of talent. His talent was way better than most teams were on a consistent basis. Bill Belichick didn't have that luxury, and at times. Bill Belichick didn't have the most talented team in the NFL at times, but that is he also didn't have to go up against Dabo. There's that exactly, and all roads lead to Dabo all day long, baby. Two times Dabo Sweeney beat Alabama and Nick Saban. Yes, sir. Ah, yes, sir. Forty-four to sixteen, we manhandled him. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Let's <laughs> let's let's wrap this show up here. Um, you want to do a little bit of icing on the cake instead of pepper this week? Uh, a little, little sprinkles, little sprinkles on there, real quick. Yeah. Um. That, yeah. Let's do that because I did actually reach out to um friend of the show, um, our golf guru Tanner Port, and I wanted him to opine a little bit on um Tiger Woods um leaving Nike. And um, I believe what what I asked him, I you know what, don't remember. But I'm going to include his segment um into the show right now. Put a little little sprinkles on there, a little icing on the cake. Here's my man Tanner Port. I golf bro here, aka broke eighty one. So you should maybe care about my golf opinion. Uh, two things, two kind of breaking stories going on. You got Rory way softening his tone on on live which he had kind of already indicated he was going to do um and you can see he's just looking for a way forward this kind of in my opinion reinforces what we were saying last week is that the 54 hole format becomes more exhibitionary they'll find a way in rory's vision it's some world golf tour that encompasses all the leagues but the united states is the biggest market for this so the pga will still survive um, you got Tigers League coming out the following year. So more to follow on that, but no late breaking news. Liv's money or the Saudis' money is here to stay, and they're going to have to figure it out. Second, um, there's been a lot of buzz that Nike has somehow dropped the bag or fumbled the bag with Tiger Woods. That's To me, that's amateur hour commentary. Um, Nike's been out of the golf business clubs since like 2014, 2016. Forgive me if I'm wrong. One of those two years. And here's the thing, man. Like, it's going to be a reoccurring theme if you ask me about golf. There's not that much money in it, right? So you have Nike, who, with all due respect, has pumped tons of money into Tiger Woods, probably made a bunch of money off of him. Great. But to re-sign him, especially after he's done being hurt, and here's, they can't make a shoe that Tiger Woods will wear. Full stop. 
you got to go. Anybody can make a polo, y'all. Like, it's like, come on. Like, you can't be the number one shoe company in the world. And you cannot put a shoe on the number one, the goat of golf. You can't make a shoe he'll wear. That man wore foot joys. You know, your grandpa wears foot joys, y'all. Like, so it's a, a happy divorce. It'll be good. Uh, Nike continues. It's kind of stray away from the golf game, which is fine because, again, not a lot of money in this. And more to follow, man. It's going to be an exciting year. Sony Open, some of these guys are looking real good. So y'all stay tuned. Uh, you know, I broke 81's out. Appreciate it, Tanner. Appreciate it very much. So always like the input from one of our golf gurus. And any point in time, you know, because Scott's getting old, we might replace him and put you on the show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you got a little something left for the people. What you got? All right, so just before we wrap, I want to do a little comment discussion with you, B-Live, about uh, a little something I saw go on over this past weekend, and that is the brand-new Chicago Bulls Ring of Honor. Now, this, my friend, turned into what is known as a fiasco. The The Chicago Bulls have decided to have a Ring of Honor, much like how the Cowboys have in theirs, to, you know, celebrating not a Hall of Famer, but people that were – instrumental in your organization and so they had 13 honorees i believe this took place friday night um michael jordan did not show up scotty pippen did not show up dennis rodman did not show up and i think rodman may have actually been expected to show up but of course he's dennis rodman so you just never know what you're getting with him but you know ever since this documentary came out during the pandemic the last dance the jordan pippen feud has escalated and and they don't like each other, and Jordan doesn't like to come out in public, and Pippen does, but he looks terrible. He's got all that long, goofy hair and gray beard. He looks like a homeless guy now, and and he's talked his trash. So those two, I guess, didn't want to be in the same building, so neither went. And uh, Jerry Krause, the GM who put that together, passed away a few years ago, so his widow went, and when they introduced her and in, in, as you know, being honored and for Jerry Krause's honor, the booze rained down. And this, I think this all goes back again to a little bit of the documentary. And this poor woman, B-Live, you saw, you saw her picture, you saw her video of her. Just, oh, she goes there to honor her late husband for putting together not one, but two, three Pete's and they boo. Oh, you mean you couldn't have just given her a little respect and, and, and clap. Oh my goodness. And it was, awful she's crying and other players are trying to console her it was it was it was awful uh, chicago bulls do better fans fans do better learn just if anything just celebrate and then well, i don't i don't know why i don't know why people have to be so vocal about certain things jay cross without cross are the Bulls even on the map at all? Did, did, you know, he he, really he was instrumental in putting them together. And then when Jordan retired and it kind of broke apart and he reassembled it even better the second time with two coach and, and, and Rodman. Did they, and, what do they want? What did, did, did they want 10 straight like the, um, the Celtics or what, what did, what did the fans want? You, I, I think they wanted not to get, let go of Phil Jackson and try to go for a fourth in a row. And that didn't happen. And, you heard Jordan talk about it on the documentary. And, 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 you know, if you're Michael Jordan, you know, you, you became like the most famous athlete of all time wearing a Chicago Bulls uniform. 
you, you can't just show up for the Ring of Honor ceremony. I mean, what's it take to get you back in the building? I mean, those people in Chicago love you. Basketball fans across the world love you. You can't just grab a handful of cigars and head on head on down to the arena. I mean, I, I understand the the thing between him and Pippen is not good, and they don't want to be around with it. But you, you know. You got somehow, I mean, Bulls organization, you got to work it out to get Jordan in the building for uh, some type of ceremony. Now that you have this going on, maybe keep his name covered and say, Michael Jordan will be here next Friday. And then he's like the soul honoring instead of one of the other many that were on. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it just turned out to be something that could have been incredibly cool that the fans would have clamored for just turned into an absolute disaster. It's, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there, Beli, before we head on out of here for the week. Absolutely, Scotty D. I appreciate you being being on the show with us each and every week. I said that in public. Ooh. All right, that's that's my good. We got along pretty well today without Eddie Cool here, huh? We got along pretty well somehow or other. Maybe it's Eddie Cool. Maybe he. Maybe. Maybe he's the one that uh, we, we might have to renegotiate our contracts with him. <laughs> I have to talk, we have to do have a little sit down or something. But hope you travel safe, Eddie Cool, and and Absolutely. to to Eddie Cool and to you be live. I mean, this is Monday, so it's still King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day, and uh, happy happy rest of the week for you for you guys. I'm going back to school this week. Party's oh, over. Best of luck to you, my friend. Do your thing at Waynesburg University. And one last thing, I want a little celebratory thing. And you're going to laugh at me, and I don't care. But um, I um, I attended um, in, um, in Fayetteville. We have an indoor soccer league um, team, <laughs> the Fayetteville Fury. And I actually went there to see... Um, See the um see the game and everything. The um the women won eighteen to one. The fellas are uh, won a hard ball oh, wow. game, eight to six against the Albany Aces. And when I tell you eight to six, see, I would watch a game like that. That's that's not bad. And, and here's the thing, yeah, indoor soccer is lit. I feel like it's a combination of soccer and hockey. They have they have they have a penalty box. You could only have five players and a goalie on the. On the field, there's actually where they kick the ball off. It, the, the, it's designed exactly like a hockey field, just has carpet on the um, carpet instead of in. But you're kicking a soccer ball. But it was it was very it was very exciting. I had a great time, and I plan on being there more. And I actually have an in possibly of uh, being the um, public um, public announcer, PA um, guy, and DJ. For the team, hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's a preliminary stage, but I know the DJ that works with the team, and he said I may be able to sit in with them for a couple of games. So ah, that'd be excellent. That'd be really cool. At the Crown Coliseum, oh, bucket list acquired. Let's go! But yeah, to each and every one of our listeners out there of the Sports Bros Podcast, we appreciate each and every one of y'all. There's some things that Eddie Cool says, enlighten, entertain, educate, and some other things that I may have missed. And all, and in closing, that, that, that's what that's where we're at right now. And in, <laughs> and in closing, <laughs> nice for somebody. If not, do something for somebody else. Have your cats and dogs spayed and do Yeah, that's yes. Not it. That, that no, and I'm supposed to fade out to the side, throw up the deuces or something like that. It's got to do. And then I always say, yes, sir. Do not. That's my part. That's my life. <laughs> um, this was episode two thirty three of the Sports Bros Podcast. Yes, sir.
sound of silence. Hey, it's Eddie Cool here from the Sports Bros Podcast. Thank you for listening, and as always, continue to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Just click the link in the description box and keep up with the Sports Bros Podcast. And once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>